Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome, one and all, to TGI Football here on the SB Nation NFL Show. A reminder that our show is presented to you by our friends at DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code SBNFL because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void or prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. As noted, this is TJ Football on the SB Nation NFL show. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe. Leave a rating, write a review. Those things make us very happy. You can also watch us on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel. And if you do those things, you will see the bright, shining, simmering faces of myself, RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys, his self, Brandon Lee Gunn from Bleeding Green Nation, and his self as well, Steven Serta from Arrowhead Pride, BLG TGIF. Happy Friday. My, my microphone was muted, so I had to unmute. There we go. Um, <laughs> you move. I didn't talk, though. I didn't do the thing where I talked and, you, re- you know, my mic was muted and everyone's like, oh, your mic is muted. I realized it. I just had to so you, do it. You didn't make the mistake. You just drew all of the attention to it for no That's reason. That's right. Well, okay. you know, there was a big pause there, so I was excited. It was for the video audience. You yeah, exactly. So, um, happy Friday. We are at the se- a point in the season where I feel like feeling a little bit fatigued, you know? Week 14 we're entering. Kind of just feel like I'm feeling tired. Are you tired, Stephen? I'm always tired, but yes, I I am very tired right now. It's It's been a grind, but... Uh, just going to keep pushing forward. Wow. Well, I wonder who will play y'all in the movie about your heroic <laughs> journeys. Uh, you know, you guys are really impressive with how you're just grinding through enjoying football. Um, it is week 14. It is Friday, December 8th. I hope you both are getting some Christmas shopping done. Don't put it off. Don't wait till the last second. You'll only stress yourself out. Um, we're going to recap Thursday Night Football here on TJF, which was not the worst game of all time, which was definitely the kind of universal anticipation we will of course do our pick three segment which is brought to you by DraftKings we have another bone to pick with you Steven Serta and we will of course fly through our picks for all of the week 14 Sunday games but I guess we do have to start with Thursday night football the New England Patriots are ruining the worst season they've ever had as far as uh you know this generation of Patriots fans are concerned 21 to 18 the final score Steven over the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field I don't care what it's called that's what it is um this was weird um it was a very weirdly entertaining but also still kind of gross game that bailey zappy was the hero of. i don't think we should be shocked that the steelers lost to the patriots i think we should be shocked that bailey zappy just threw three touchdowns on the steelers defense though um i don't really understand what pittsburgh is doing and i know matt canada gets a lot of blame but like offensively like they haven't really gotten any better and really 
since they had that one big blow up game where they had like 400 yards of offense and still only scored like 16 points. But for some reason, the story was like, yeah, but they put up 400 yards, even though they only scored 16 points in that game. And that fourth and two call late in the fourth quarter game on the line, fourth and two, you need two yards to keep it alive and try to get yourself in field goal range to tie the game and force OT. And the offensive play call was Mitch Trubisky deep shot to Deontay Johnson. Like that was the most live game action, like Madden play call that I have ever seen in my life. I was like, what are you doing? And the Steelers didn't get the ball back. Like it, it was just a, an unreal letdown performance from Pittsburgh. And they're probably still going to be a playoff team, but they've <laughs> lost back-to-back games now to two win football teams. Like those are games you have no business losing. I don't care if Kenny Pickett's not in it. Like your defense is talented enough. You should win that football game, even with Mitch Trubisky as your starting quarterback. And so it's a huge letdown for performance for the Steelers. I guess I think about the Steelers big picture and it's like, what do they do to get over the hump? And I think we all like Mike Tomlin here. I think everyone likes Mike Tomlin, right? But like, at what point when they're not really making any kind of like meaningful push towards, you know, like the one seed in the conference or something like that, like how long until we see that again, like how, how much rope is he afforded? And I don't think it's that Mike Tomlin is bad. I think part of the issue is that it just might be time to move on in terms of both sides. Like it just might not be the right fit anymore. Um, And I could see him going to another team and instantly having success to be clear. Again, I'm not really questioning him uh, and his ability as much as just the fit and the timeline uh, with the organization, because, okay, it's going to be another non losing season for them. Probably. I mean, their final four games, they still have to play. Um, it's it's actually the eighth toughest schedule. They get the Ravens, the Colts, the Bengals, and the Seahawks still remaining. So probably going to win. Um, All playoff a... contending teams, though, for what it's worth. Right. So not not guaranteed, but I think probably. They'll probably win. Will they need what? Just one more win for that? I think they can win a game. But, like, what are they doing in the bigger picture? It just seems like they're kind of been, for as much as we give them credit for not having losing seasons, they've kind of just been mired in mediocrity a little bit here a little bit better than that for a while and at what point does someone have to like answer for that so they need two wins to keep the above 500 thing alive they're sitting on seven right now um you know now in the 17 game era steven you mentioned the losing to such a bad team there was this it's it was so specific that it's one of those like you know incredibly specific stats that you pulled that just like highlight how good or bad something is and the Steelers are the first team like ever to lose back-to-back games to teams that are like the Steelers are the first above 500 team to lose back-to-back games to teams that are at least eight games below 500 I think that was it um and again oddly specific but again a a big indictment of where they're at um I saw this tweet to your point Brandon uh from Jarrett Bailey who's the deputy editor over at Behind the Steel Curtain our Pittsburgh Steelers community here SB Nation um and I think this represents how you know, like we all like team, fans can be so hyper focused on their team and live and die with that, obviously. And sometimes when that is happening, you're not seeing things that are happening across the entire NFL. So maybe our pulse on, on the Steelers isn't the same as the way Steelers fans are feeling. But anyway, this mm-hmm. was the tweet. Um, Mike Tomlin is in his 17th year as Steelers head coach. Uh, I would like each of you to guess because Jarrett tweeted it. How many seasons the Steelers have won a playoff game? So there's 16 prior to this, obviously. Steven, how many mm. seasons do you think the Steelers have had a playoff win? 
There, to be and, clear, there have been multiple in, in some of these, but yeah. you know, we're talking number of seasons. I'd say like four, five, Realism. maybe. I'm gonna say six. The answer is four. Um, yeah. so you're talking about four seasons with a playoff, and again, you could be a playoff team and not win a playoff game, but I mean, no one's like pumped about that. But I, I can kind of understand Steven like being a little bit let down by the Mike Tomlin era because it's been really long, and this little drought has been really long in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It's, I think, if the Steelers did for whatever reason, which like it would go really against them as an organization to like move on from Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin would be immediate, like front of the line head coaching candidate and would get hired right away. And sometimes it it does just take a change of scenery, like Andy Reid with the Chiefs. Like sometimes you just got to get out. Maybe Belichick is going to be gone. Like there's been rumors flying this this season about the Patriots moving on from him after this year. Um, But it's been an issue with them going back years now with the Steelers and Tomlin and them like just having these games where it doesn't seem like they're focused at all, where they don't show up and perform. And that goes back to the Ben Roethlisberger days and Antonio Brown. Like it, 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 this isn't a a new thing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it feels like the last two games where they were getting by so early in the season on the defense, just kind of carrying them and creating turnovers and, and scoring points that way and doing all that stuff. Now they're just kind of floundering and it's because the defense has been banged up and it's not playing as well. They're not getting anything out of the offense. And I I just think like losing this game, especially after losing to the Arizona Cardinals, like it's inexcusable to drop this game to the New England Patriots. I wonder if they can trade Tomlin. I mean, that doesn't really seem like a Steelers kind of thing because they don't even trade a lot in general. But that's kind of where I was thinking in terms of I think there could be a team that's desperate out there to make a splash. Like, let's just say Washington or the something. Panthers, Panthers yeah, some are super team. desperate for exactly some credibility. I, mean. I think yeah. there would be a desperate team out there that would like love to have him. And I think at that point, it might make sense. I guess my thing is like, well, at what point is like, is it someone's fault that you had Matt Canada for so long? And what, whose fault is it that Kenny Pickett doesn't look good? It looks like it could be a waste of a first round. But like someone has to own that decision. And I don't know that the answer is just bringing in like a new offensive coordinator, and that's going to fix everything. Um, Mike Tomlin of the Giants. I know that Brian Dable is not on like the thinnest device possible, but there's the the fa- the familial connection, obviously, between the Rooneys mm-hmm. and the Maras. I mean, you know, that would be a little bit of collusion. I would I would offer potentially, but mm-hmm. um, on the Patriot side of things um steven patriots fans are really mad that that their team won this football game like they're upset <laughs> um truth be told it didn't really damage their position in the nfl draft or they currently hold the second overall pick and it feels really unlikely that they're catching carolina and therefore yeah. chicago um so i mean i i get it because you're you know you don't want to crawl through all this mud to just you know end up with like the sixth pick that would really suck but i think they're okay i mean i I think they need to come back down to earth just a little bit. I know they're not used to this, but relax. Yeah, I mean, that ro- that Patriots roster, and I know the defense is still decent and they still have some playmakers there, but offensively, it's maybe the worst group of guys in the NFL. And that, that again, it, it's even more embarrassing for the Steelers. Like, Juju Smith-Schuster, I think, had his game of the year last night. Like, it, they, the Patriots had three healthy wide receivers and Ezekiel Elliott had like almost 150 combo yards last night. Like, what are the Steelers doing? But I, I get it. The Patriots, 
you don't have these kinds of seasons very often and whether they, you know, move in another direction or Bill Belichick comes back or whatever, like they got to keep one of those top two picks because it's total rebuild mode. They got to break it all down. And if they can get a franchise quarterback in the process, that's a good way to turn things around and start rebuilding. Patriots final four are um, versus the chiefs at home. Uh, then they go to Denver to play the Broncos. Then they go to Buffalo to play the Bills. And then they end the season with a game against the Jets. So I think that Jets game is going to be a must-lose game in terms of the tank order, but could be tough to lose that one. Well, Aaron Rodgers might have his um, – what, what was the verbiage last week, Stephen, uh, that, they, that the national reporters called it a triumphant week? Was that what it was? <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Know. Aaron Rodgers' triumphant return may be complete. And he, like, couldn't you see that? Like, Aaron Rodgers returns for a completely meaningless game against the Patriots and throws like six passes, and everybody like freaks that and celebrates him. Um, so Just I'm on a preview of what we're getting next season. Pick me. One, two, three. Pick one. On three. Pick three. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, well, we are going to preview all of week 14 after we do our pick three segment, which is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Every week here on TGI Football, we put together a same game parlay. Uh, we had never hit for a very, very long time. Then we hit two in a row and we were living like kings. And BLG and I, uh, well, Brandon, you and I have remained on fire. We have continued to hit on our legs, um, but we're not a tripod right now because for the second week in a row, Stephen, you let us down. What do you have to say for yourself? You've held us back from having four consecutive same game parlays hit it. AJ Brown really let me down. Um, I wow. just thought Reflecting that AJ's been he's been so special this season and in such a, a massive game against the San Francisco 49ers, I really thought... Uh, the Eagles would find a way to hang in that game, and they didn't. And A.J. Brown did not score. And I, maybe I should take my own advice in my actual like personal gambling strategies because I have gone away from touchdowns in same-game parlays because they're bad bets usually, and they're hard to predict. And maybe I, I just should not have picked a touchdown last week. That, that that's That's my bad. I apologize. That's on me. Well, that's the most accountability he's shown all season, Brandon, which is what I like to hear. Uh, Steven is uh, pathetic, five and eight when it comes to his individual record on the same game parlay. But Brandon, you and I, we did it. We're north of 500. We started off really poor, wow. uh, but we are both seven and six now. We are above the clouds. So take in a breath of fresh air, my friend. Uh, you are up first, Brandon. Our game that we are handling this week involves the 49ers yet again, but this time at home against the other green bird in the Seattle Seahawks. What are you doing and why? Yeah, I'm going to do the race to 25 points in this game. I think the 49ers are going to have their way once again. I mean, this team is clicking on all levels when they are their peak version of themselves. Pretty hard to stop, as the Eagles can attest to from last week. And I think the Seahawks, you know, had the cute little moment against the Cowboys. Looked good for a bit there, but then choked it away at the end. Dino was terrible at the end of the game, and I just don't trust him, and I don't trust that team right now. So I think the 49ers, there's every reason to give them the benefit of the doubt. So I like them getting to 25 first in this game. I think that's the longest um, race we've used. We've we've 
dabbled in that prop a bit this season, but it's been 10, 20, I think 25 is the longest that we've gone. A uh, little bit bold on your part in that respect. Uh, minus 190 is your particular prop, the heaviest favorite of our three. Mine is the, the heaviest underdog of our three at plus 130. Um, Steven, we're going to figure out whether you're bad at this or the prop is bad. I'm going <laughs> to pee into the win. I'm going to take Brandon Ayuk anytime touchdown score plus 130. I could see... I don't mean at all to diminish Brandon Ayuk's role within the Niners offense, but he's not Debo Samuel. He's not George Kittle in terms of like name and star power. Um, he's kind of the third option. Even you could argue fourth, obviously because of Christian McCaffrey, but I do think this is a game where like everybody gets theirs. Um, even if Brandon Ayuk's touchdown comes later in the game, it still counts for our purposes. So that's what I'm doing. I hope that I don't get Steven Serta cursed, but Steven, what are you doing? How are you redeeming yourself? I stayed away from the touchdowns this week. And I chose Christian McCaffrey over 79 and a half rushing yards. Um, it just feels like that's a safe bet. Like it being at minus 115 is a little absurd, but Christian McCaffrey's just been so good. And the Seahawks run defense isn't anything you need to worry about. And I just, I, I agree with you guys. Like Seattle finally showed some pop last week against the Cowboys, but it feels like we've been kind of chasing that Seahawks performance all season long. And I feel like that was like the best that they're going to look because I don't trust them offensively at all. And so I feel like the 49ers are just totally going to dominate this game again. Um, that is our same game parlay. Once again, brought to you by our friends at DraftKings plus 340, the overall odds. Brandon, what does that mean? That means if you put down $10, you would profit $34. Wow. Look at you with the quick math. <laughs> Bet your parents are proud. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, uh, it is time to preview all of the Week 14 Sunday games as they relate uh, to the NFL. A reminder, each of us has a lock of the week, and we'll obviously get to that. The lock standings, uh, Brandon, you are 9-3-1. and one. Steven, you are killing this. You are 11-2. Yeah. and I am got my work cut out for myself. I'm 5-8. and eight. I still have enough time left to get above 500 on the season, but um, you know, the odds technically not in my favor. But these are all odds-based uh, locks, in case you don't know, loyal listener. Also, if you're not a loyal listener, what the hell? But we each have the potential to zap one another, to shut someone up with regards to their analysis on a game. You cannot be zapped on a team that you cover. So the Cowboys, Eagles, Chiefs are all safe in that capacity. Thank you, Stephen. Up first, for the purposes of our discussion, Stephen, the Los Angeles Rams are back, and they um, kind of, like in the playoff mix, and they are visiting the Baltimore Ravens, which could kind of take all the steam out of their operation. Baltimore laying seven and a half points at home. I really like the way the Rams are playing right now. And, you know, last week it was against Cleveland Browns and 
Joe Flacco and (laughs) for for whatever that's worth. But I I thought it was a really impressive game by the Rams overall against a really good defense. And the Rams offensive line was really bad at the start of the year. And it's kind of slowly been getting better and improving as the season's gone on. Puka Nakua has been incredible this season. Cooper Cup kind of seems like a shell of himself. I'm hoping that's just injuries and not being healthy this year. And hopefully we get to see the best version of Cooper Cup again. Um, But I I think at the end of the day, the Ravens are going to be fresh coming off of a bye week. I just think that the Ravens defense is amazing and and it gives everybody problems. And I I feel like, especially after last week's performance against that Browns defense, like, it, it's the st- the book is out on Puka Nakua. Like it, it's not where like you should be keying in on Cooper Cup and Puka's eating because of that. Like he is their best offensive skill player right now. He's been that impressive as a rookie this season. And Cooper Cup's just not 100 percent healthy. Kyron Williams has been great, but I think at the end of the day, the Ravens' defense is just going to give them so many problems that. I'll take Baltimore here. I don't know if I'm at seven and a half feels like a lot just with how good the Rams have been playing, but I think Baltimore does uh, win. So I'll, I'll take Baltimore to win, but I'll take the points with the Rams. The Rams have the quietest three game winning streak going on in the NFL right now. Like do, do most people realize that it just feels like they don't because you know, an uneven team this year, not a, a team that had very low expectations heading into the season, but with wins, over, I mean, these aren't the most amazing teams, but the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and the Browns, and the last two games being pretty decisive. Um, I like the points here. I think the Ravens win, but I'm going to say the Rams make it a game. They cover to one score game, and um, they make it competitive. Um, we haven't seen the Ravens in two weeks, and when we last saw them, I understand that they put things away near the end, but that was that was a like gross win for the Ravens on the road against the Chargers. And I mean, the Chargers are whatever, but that's kind of why it was gross. Like. I mean, it should have been a, a much more sizable thing. They did cover, but it was the very end, the Zay, the Zay Flowers thing, and, and a, a play that, truth be told, Zay Flowers should have gone down on and not scored that touchdown. I mean, so, like, they shouldn't have covered in a logical sense. So I'm kind of with y'all. Um, I love the Kyron Williams thing. Did y'all see Sean McVay um, talk about Kyron Williams scoring the touchdown at the end of last week's game? It's going to make you hate everything, Brandon. Um, <laughs> he um, He was talking about how they had great respect for Cleveland's field goal block unit. And then he said, actually, the real reason is because I have Kyron Williams on my fantasy team. But he did. uh, Then he like said it was a joke. But he did the thing where you say it's a joke, like a half second after you say the joke. So like it it, it, like any chance or potential it had to be funny was completely. He was like, yeah, I have Kyron Williams on my fantasy team. It's a joke, guys. It's a joke. I mean, it was like, dude, just let it breathe for a second. He's just such an awkward person. Uh, But anyway. Um, yeah, I, I like the points, but I like the Ravens. Um, I'm very interested to see how Baltimore looks down the stretch, especially in their games against San Francisco and Miami. I know we're not there, but that's that. Anyway, uh, let's move on to the New York Jets, Brandon, who are hosting the Houston Texans and the Jets are down bad. I don't know any other way to put this. Like it, it is amazing how down bad they continue to get. Like they, there is no end to that pit. Zach Wilson doesn't even want to play for them anymore, reportedly, um, the Texans are coming off of a sneaky, tough game that they won. Um, no Tank Dell, unfortunately, obviously. But um, I don't know how you can lean anywhere but in Houston's direction at this point. Yeah. I mean, what are you pointing to with the Jets? Are their defense? Okay, great. But you need a quarterback, and the Jets do not have a quarterback. 
And what is the point of going back to Zach? Like, what's the point of that? He doesn't even want to play, apparently, reportedly. Um, there's just no way I can take the Jets. I am 100% taking the Texans. Did Trevor Simeon get hurt or something at the end of that game? Like, why do they hate Trevor Simeon so much? <laughs> Why'd they sign him? <laughs> but, like, Trevor Simeon has at least won NFL games and, and shown that, like, he'll take chances and, and risks because what does he have to lose? Like, we just, we've seen so much Zach Wilson, and somehow they decided Tim Boyle was the better option at some point, and Tim Boyle was even worse than Zach Wilson. So now it, it feels like they did that, like, just setting Tim Boyle up for failure and then being like, see, we got something in Zach. Like, Zach... Zach is the better football player is if those are reasonable options. Um, I am worried about the Texans. I, I think losing tank Dell is massive and going against this jets defense, which is still good. Like, you know, you can just key in on Nico Collins. I know Noah Brown's had a couple of big games here. I still think the Texans are going to win, but I, I am a little weary of kind of going after this game and like betting on it because of the jets defense. And I just feel like they're going to give, CJ Stroud, who's been incredible this season, but is still a rookie quarterback, still has some moments where he makes some mistakes. That defense mm -hmm. is still really young. Like th there's some issues here, but I don't think anybody in their right mind could think that the Jets are going to win a football game anytime soon. So I think you have to pick the Texans, but I do think the Jets defense will still give them uh, a few problems on Sunday. I think it's a really cowardly thing for Robert Sala and his staff to like throw their hands up and be like, look, Woody Johnson, the quarterback's injured. Like, what? How, how do you expect us to win a game? I understand the uniqueness of like having sold out for Aaron Rodgers, but this reminds me of, and I, I know we all kind of tend to look at things through the prism of, of the teams we cover. In 2015, Tony Romo got hurt and the Cowboys played 12 games without him and they won one. And so it's like, what is your coaching staff bringing you? If, if they can't cobble together, you know, a handful of wins. And that's why I was so impressed with just, again, as it relates to my example, Mike McCarthy in 2020 when Dak Prescott got hurt. Like, that was completely different, like, to be able to survive without the franchise quarterback. And, like, what what does the Jets coaching staff offer you in the future if they are rendered useless without Rodgers himself? Well, and the personnel staff, too. I mean, you could have, like, Zach Wilson clearly sucked, like, prior to this year. So why would you, why would you be like, oh, it's okay, he's our backup? No, it's still a bad thing that he's your backup because – if Aaron Rodgers can't play, then you have to play him. They could have done something to get a little bit more serious about investing in that spot. Even if it was like keeping Mike White, let's say like they could have kept Mike White if they really wanted to. And not that like he's so great and he's the answer, but like, you know, there was an option in house that they had that would have been more credible than having Zach Wilson as your backup. And okay, whatever you make a mistake, then you still have time to trade for Josh jobs or do something, do, do anything trade for Jacoby Brissett, do something to just salvage your season a little bit and get to a point where, hey, Aaron Rodgers maybe actually can come back and play or something late in the season, and then you have something maybe possible there. But instead, they just sat in their hands for no good reason. It's, the Jets' defense is so good that offensively, if they could just put up like 17 points a game, they would win <laughs> more often than they would lose, and they're incapable of it. Like. You, you can't bet on them on a weekly basis to score 10 points in an NFL game. It's it's unbelievable that they decided this is where they were going to roll if something happened to 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers. 
Yeah, and now like the the like great plan is to bank on forty year old Aaron north of forty year old Aaron Rodgers coming off of the injury. Like that's that's what we're putting all of our hope into. Like it's just tough scene, tough scene for the and and the Packers might make the playoffs. Like that will just be like incredible salt in the wound if you're a Jets fan at this point in time, which is you know hard to take. Um, okay, let's move. So we're all taking the Texans, right? Is that not obvious? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Detroit Lions are visiting the Chicago Bears, who they played just a couple of weeks ago, Brandon, and it went down to the wire. Um, Detroit is favored by three and a half points on the road this week. Um, and they're my lock of the week. I'm taking mm. the Lions. I feel very confident in them. And this is really this is hard for me to admit, and that's why I started with you, Brandon. The Bears are bad. Like I'm I just wow. can't. I can't anymore. I Bold. can't. It's just well, I mean, you have inspired me with your bold Desmond Ritter take. Um, mm. But, like, I've tried to hold on as much, as long as I can to mm. the Bears, and I can't. I just can't. I don't want to anymore. So I'm just going to take the Lions. I know that they've been precarious lately from a defensive standpoint and allowing all these teams to score all these points. But I just, I mean, I don't, I just, no. I'll take the Lions. Lock them up. Let's go. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the Bears um... – effort against the lions last time i don't think we're gonna see that again i think that was like their best swing at the lions and they still couldn't get it done i think the lions will have an easier time in this game definitely looking a little shaky recently even last week um they got up what 21-0 and like let the saints have life which is pretty discouraging considering the saints don't really have much in the way of passing options figured that would be safe against the lions leaky pass defense but um yeah, I'm a big time fade Justin Fields guy. It seems to be being realized that the writing is on the wall for him in Chicago. There's talk, you know, where he'll land next or whatever. We'll see about that. But yeah, I think the Lions are going to win. And I think the Bears are in a nice little spot here where they might have the top two picks in the draft. So the Bears are coming off of a bye week. And the last time we talked about them on this show, I was like, I like what Justin Fields did against the Lions. And going into mm-hmm. that primetime game against the Vikings, I was like, I'm feeling good about Justin Fields and where the Bears are going right now. And then their coaching is just so bad. And that that game against the Minnesota Vikings, the Bears won that game 12 to 10 a couple of weeks ago before they went into their bye. That was the most frustrating football game I have watched all season in a in a game in a year that is littered with quarterback injuries. Offense offense is just at an all time low. That was the most frustrating game I have watched all season because the Bears offensive game plan in that game that totally handcuffed Justin Fields, who the best part of his game is his deep passing and attacking downfield. They were just like uh, to try to combat the Vikings blitzing us. We're just going to throw screens the entire game. And that's how we wound up with a 12 to 10 game. And so I guess the Bears can come out of that feeling good. They got a 12 to 10 win. I am out on the Bears as of now moving forward. I I was so frustrated by that game and, and so frustrated because I think that Justin Fields, while he may not be an elite quarterback, he's shown enough potential that like you're like, if he gets in the right situation, he could possibly put something together, but they're so bad. His coaching staff is so bad. It's just unreal. And the Lions defense is a legitimate red flag ahead of the playoffs, but offensively, they should dust the Bears. Like, I, I think the Lions win this one pretty easily. So 
got no faith in the Bears. I'm finally broken on, on Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. Yeah, you and me both, Steven. Um, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you would think that they would reach a point of like YOLO. You know what I mean? Like, like the Bears staff is probably like, you know, done after like, why not just like let him loose? Just like, hey, Justin, do whatever you want. Like, I mean, it cannot be worse than what you're doing right now. Um, by the way, I don't think we're able to get um the audio played here, but our own Jeremy Reisman um uh, got a shout out from Dan Campbell. Did either of you see this yet? Yeah, when you dropped it in the chat and asked if we could play on the show. Uh, well, I don't know if you heard it, though. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Uh, no. Jeremy, for anyone who hasn't seen, has an incredible... Yeah, I, can, uh, I can pull it. Give me a second here. Okay, uh, I'll buy you some time. Well, then, I uh, Jeremy is a great person. Um, he runs our Detroit Lions site, Pride of Detroit. Um, he raises a lot of money for charity. He is mm-hmm. uh, a phenomenal human being, BLG. In fact, I think he's maybe the best human being. Wow. can't rule it out it's not impossible yeah um on the subject of human beings that is the official mascot of greendale community college are you familiar with the sitcom community yes i am familiar did you know that that was their mascot or is your level of familiarity so shallow that you didn't know that i mean i watched that show like over 10 years ago maybe i'm done with that because steven has it uh this is uh dan campbell uh detroit lions head coach responding to a question from Pride of Detroit's own Jeremy Reisman. I'll just say this. You, you got an impressive mustache right now. <laughs> it really is. If I could do that, I would grow one. But I can't. Um, so I'm very happy for Jeremy. Don't get me wrong. I'm kind of annoyed at Dan Campbell. Like, these are the Dan Campbell <laughs> things that he does that, like, people, you know, fall all over. They're like, how cool is he? He talks about mustaches. Um, again, very happy for Jeremy and Pride of Detroit. But, you know. Jeremy has like a, a, a room named for him in the Lions facility because he won like the Lions uh, media competition. Yeah, thing, it's so. the um, it's I think it's the podcasting room specifically for any media members who podcast. And he won the combine that they do among media. Members. So like he's physical as well as uh, mustached. Steve. <laughs> he also got a shout out, I believe, from Ben Johnson recently because Jeremy famously like doesn't like flea flickers. So Ben Johnson kind of like, you know, gave him a little like the wink or something or look at him since he's like we all love flea flickers here right so jeremy's really popular with the uh yeah. the lions coaching staff do you like him yeah. or do you hate him steven i love jeremy i think he does fantastic work or flea flickers are you asking yeah, me about flea flickers uh, I, both. Like, I guess why both. would i hate why would i hate jeremy um i don't know i mean you know How can uh, you hate a I, don't, I don't mind them i feel like when teams do that it's because they're desperate like to get mm. something going like the chiefs did one a couple of weeks ago and i was like that's where that's where the Chiefs offense is at right now. It has to do a flea flicker to get going. Um, okay. The Indianapolis Colts, Brandon, are visiting the Cincinnati Bengals coming off of the heroism of Jake Browning. Um, you um coined uh, or noted that last week's Colts Titans line was suspicious. This is yeah. suspicious to me. Um, and it was. It, it was because you're right. the Titans got out to what this big lead, and I'm like, oh no. I mean, the Colts did cover. It took till overtime right. for that to happen. Right. The game uh, was much more competitive than it, everyone thought it would be. Right. I, I know that, again, the Bengals are very talented and the Jake Browning stuff is fun. But they are two-point favorites at home against the Colts, which, again, is just a little weird. Hmm. Coming off a short week, too? Hmm. I'm week actually going to gonna take the Bengals here. I'm going to believe that Jake Browning is for real. And the Colts, it's not, uh, it's not a slight on them. It's just that... For how much I think Shane Steichen has maximized that team, still think you know there's some limitations there with Gardner Minshew and whatnot. And uh, 
I don't know. The Bengals don't seem ready to say die, even though that Joe Burrow has gone down. They're still fighting. So I will actually take the Bengals here with home field advantage. Jake Browning is going to cook. I think what was most impressive about that was Zach Taylor getting Jake Browning going against the Jaguars in what is like kind of like a do or die game for Cincinnati. And uh, Jake Browning was really impressive last week. Now, I, I think w- what's kind of going under the radar about the Colts' performance this season and, and what they've done, like obviously losing Anthony Richardson, going to Gardner Minshew, and like the way they put this thing together to be in the playoff race is really impressive from their new head coach. But their defense is also playing much better. Like a- at the start of the season, they were kind of viewed as like, oh, their defense is doesn't have any talent for the most part. Like. You can run on them, you can pass on them, you can do all of that stuff. And their defense has been playing pretty well, and that's part of the reason they've been able to kind of get PC's wins together and be in the middle of the playoff race. So I I was impressed with Zach Taylor, but I think I'm still going to go with the Colts here. I just like the way that they're playing right now. Uh, Michael Pittman's really flying under the radar, is having like a career year and a contract season. So I'm going to go with the Colts, even though it's on the road at Cincinnati. It's always great to be in the icebox casting position. Um, you know, I feel like you both have your jackets on. I just like push one of you in. Um, it's really nice. I very infamously predicted Zach Taylor to be the first head coach fired ahead of the 2021 season. Um, <laughs> and that blew up in my face. And I have still like I feel like a lot of people refuse to give. And I'm kind of a hypocrite because I, I claim that Mike McCarthy deserves a lot of credit and I have refused to give Zach Taylor any. I apologize. Um, I do feel like Zach Taylor, like, again, to the point of the Jets, like the fact that they're able to cobble, like they, you said they, they, how did you word it, man? They just won't die. They never said die. They are the Goonies. Like that is who the Bengals are. They refuse to die. That being said, I am a little more impressed with the Colts than I thought I would be because Shane Steichen has some Goonie energy going on with the Colts as well. And I think they're just a little bit more in the fire of, of their particular circumstances this season. I give Cincinnati a whole hell of a lot of credit for surviving on Monday night. Um, but it also took overtime for that to happen. Like, again, they just really pulled it out. Um, so I'll take the Colts, especially if I'm getting points, um, which means Brandon, get one. Fun fact about the icebox. Winter is coming. I'm in the icebox. Excellent. Um, the Carolina Panthers are visiting the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are five and a half point favorites in the Superdome. Steven, you're zapped. Because I don't want to talk about this. I hope Jameis Winston starts instead of <laughs> in the Saints one. Okay. Um, Saints are going to win. Panthers are just a lost cause. Ditto. Uh, I guess we could stay in the NFC South. Uh, Steven, the Buccaneers are in Atlanta. In Atlanta, um, they are one-and-a-half-point favorites. Man. They're not even three-point home favorites. Um, I think I'm going to go with the Falcons here because I keep <laughs> I, I keep picking the Bucks and like talking myself into Tampa Bay because Mike Evans is having a nice season. Baker Mayfield's been kind of a pleasant surprise, but – they just keep letting me down. So I'm going to go with Atlanta here, even though I'm not confident in it at all. But I'll, I'll take the Falcons. Yeah, what what is there to be confident in the NFC South other than that all the teams are not good? Um, man, I hate this line so much because I just I can't take the Falcons. I can't bring myself to do it. But I don't feel good about the Bucks. But uh, close game, I guess I'll just take the points. I'll take the one and a half points. Maybe it's a one-point game and uh, the Bucks 
maybe they don't even win, but they find a way to keep it close and cover the spread. Uh, but I will take the Bucks outright as well. Yeah, Steven, um, I'm sorry, but I got to take the Bucks too. I just, I can't lay points on the Falcons, even one and a half. Um, and I could totally see this being like a, a sneaky, you know, fun Bucks win. And then like Baker Mayfield having a cool comment afterwards, you know, like that, this, this like fits that narrative. It puts the Bucks kind of back in the race for the NFC. I mean, they're not out of it, but you know what I'm saying? So um, you're in the icebox for the Falcons, Steven. Reevaluate your life. Fun fact about the icebox. Winter is coming. I'm in the icebox. Last week's Falcons-Jets game was like, the Falcons Uh, won that game, but it wasn't really like they won. It's just that they were the team that, yeah, exactly. Like, they didn't, no team should really deserve a win after that game. The Jacksonville Jaguars are visiting the Cleveland Browns on Sunday, Stephen. It's still unknown at the time of our recording slash streaming whether or not Trevor Lawrence is going to play, but odds makers certainly believe that he's not because Cleveland, um, they are three-point favorites at home against the likely C.J. Beathard-led Jaguars. Yeah, and it just came out this morning that co- that Trevor Lawrence is a game-time decision. So mm-hmm. has Also that really Christian Kirk is on injured reserve as well. Yeah, and he suffered a core muscle injury um, in that game. So that's that's a big blow. Christian Kirk's having a nice year. Um, and we've kind of seen that Jags rotation. Like Calvin Ridley kind of struggles when they're not 100% healthy. And they just got Zay Jones back. And now Christian Kirk's out. So I guess if Trevor Lawrence goes, I'm going to take Jacksonville. Um because I think Trevor was starting to really come on and their offense was starting to figure things out. And I, I think he, he had really been elevating his game and playing really well. And I was starting to feel much more confident in the Jags moving forward. Uh, but Cleveland's defense can still give you some problems. It sounds like Denzel Ward's going to be back this week. He's missed the last couple of weeks. So that's a huge boost for their secondary. And we've just seen this Browns defense get them wins all season long. So if it's CJ Beathard, I think the Browns are probably going to win, but if Trevor manages to go, I think that Jacksonville will win. Bit of a tough spot for the Jags coming off Monday night football, having to travel here on the road, short week for them. This is the Doug Peterson versus Jim Schwartz bowl, former Eagles head coach versus former Eagles defensive coordinator. There was talk back in the day that those two didn't exactly have the most harmonious relationship. Um, so interested to see that from a motivation perspective, but um, I'm going to take the Browns here. I can't live with myself in the scenario where CJ Beathard has to play uh, against Jim Schwartz defense. I think the Browns defense will have a really big game in this one and do enough to win. Um, I don't think anybody needs to be in the icebox here. Cause I think we all reserve the right to potentially change opinions if Trevor Lawrence plays. Um, so that makes it kind of weird to predict on Friday morning slash afternoon. Uh, presuming he doesn't, I will take the Browns as well. Um, CJ Beathard, like what, you know, it's just, you know, I'm not. Joe Flacco can still sling it a little bit. I know this is a really sad game. Like it makes me sad. Um, I think it makes everybody sad. Uh, but I mean, it's just, it's a bummer. It's really the kind of only way to put it. Um, tough scene for the Browns and Jaguars. Um, okay. Uh, the game that was or is the subject of our same game parlay, Stephen, the Seattle Seahawks visiting the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the Seahawks coming off of the mini buy, obviously the loss against um, the Cowboys. And I would offer, I think you will both agree that Seattle played like a desperate team. Like they played like their playoff lives were on the line. It's really difficult to like recreate that those dire straits, even though they exist just the same. Now they've had the mini buy. 
They know they can't probably catch San Francisco in the race for the division, but they are still technically in the wild card race. I I would be tempted to take the points, but San Francisco just looks so unstoppable. So I'm laying the points. I'm taking the Niners. What about you, Stephen? Yeah, I think you have to. Um, just this 49ers team, we talked about it all year. I know they went on that three-game losing streak, but it was pretty obvious. Like They just weren't healthy, and they were so banged up at the time. Like They're so top-heavy talent-wise and star-wise that when all of those guys are healthy, they're just overwhelming to absolutely every team in the league. And I kind of hope that they do stay healthy uh, the rest of the way because they're the most fun team to watch in football right now. Like they're just absolutely unstoppable. And Seattle is going to play desperate again. Maybe Gino's got another performance like he did last week against the Cowboys. But even then, it still wasn't good enough. And that was Gino's best game of the entire season. So I think even if you get another performance like that where Gino just goes absolutely insane, San Francisco's still just too talented and too overwhelming. So I, I'm going to take San Francisco, and I think they win pretty easily. Yeah, and 49ers are very much aware that they're chasing the one seed after beating the Eagles there. So, you know, the focus is pretty – I don't think they're going to slip here in this game. I think they're locked in. Um, maybe they don't cover. Maybe the Seahawks keep it more competitive, but I am going to take the 49ers to certainly win, and I will lean with them just winning comfortably because – they have earned the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, maybe a backdoor cover situation um, on the Seahawks line. Like, I could see that. But, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think this is really close um, at any point. Uh, big game to continue. Uh, Brock Purdy's MVP candidacy, obviously, but also for Christian McCaffrey's Offensive Player of the Year. Like, there are lots of important things at stake. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, Brandon, are in Vegas visiting the Raiders. And they are three-point favorites. And there was the weird, like, oh, we're going to play. We're going to continue to roll with Joshua Dobbs thing coming up from Kevin O'Connell. Um, what was the other option? Like, what? Like, I don't understand why that was ever really in doubt. Nick Mullins, baby. Put Nick Mullins in. <laughs> uh, I mean, I have seen an arg- arguments that, like, if the if the Vikings are going to insist on running more of like a drop back kind of thing, Nick Mullins would make more sense. Obviously they shouldn't, they should more cater to what Josh Dobbs did in his first game where he had to play and basically, you know, like just let him kind of freestyle. I think a little bit more, you've clearly seen how there's more success with that as opposed to trying to shoehorn Josh Dobbs into what they want to do. Um, so that I think there's a little bit of a, you know, coaching quarterback fit difference there. I think that's, it's more about that and thinking Josh Dobbs is bad all of a sudden. But, um, yeah, I don't like this line. But uh, I'm going to say Raiders uh, or Vikings getting Justin Jefferson back coming off of their bye. Uh, I will give them the edge here, and they will win. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what it is. Like, Justin Jefferson coming back, we obviously we know what an incredible player he is. And to see him with Josh Dobbs, uh, just because we know Jordan Addison is having a really good rookie season, TJ Hawkinson. Like at the end of the day, the Vikings just have more talent than the Raiders do. And I know the Raiders pieced together a couple of nice wins after firing their head coach and like went on a nice little run. But at the end of the day, they're so handcuffed offensively with what they can do with Aiden O'Connell is their quarterback. And defensively, they're just they're nothing special. So I, I think you're going to see a big game from Justin Jefferson, assuming he's 100% healthy. And I think the Vikings offense can put up a lot of points this week. So I'm going to go with Minnesota. It's interesting how there are so many, quote unquote, dumpster fires or horrible situations and even like brewing ones, like where they haven't fired the head coach yet necessarily, that like the Raiders aren't even an interesting one. Or like they, they're like a, a 
and, you know, undeniable dumpster fire, but it's like, you know what I mean? Like nobody even cares to watch the, the, you know, the chaos unfold. So I'll take the Vikings. Um, I don't feel great about it, but I just don't feel great about the Raiders in any single way. Uh, but speaking of pending dumpster fires, Stephen, the Buffalo Bills are visiting the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. I'm sorry, uh, GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah, nobody calls it that. Well, that's what it is, though. So <laughs> if you don't call it that, you guys should actually rename yourselves to GEHA at ArrowheadPride.com. Uh, but anyway, uh, the Chiefs are only favored by one and a half points at home against the Bills team that is reeling. They We have not seen the Bills since their bye week uh, when they lost in the rain in Philadelphia. Um, they have been a mess. They are 500, and they have had some horrible mm. off-the-field things pop up uh, since we last saw them play football. Uh, your thoughts, your opinions, which direction you are going. So I made this my lock of the week, the Bills wow. win this game yeah. plus one wow. and a half. Um, I I would like to say that I also did that, and I'm not going to backtrack. I'm, I'm going to ride with it. But I did that before the Tyler Dunn piece came out. And mm, yeah, we can uh, we can corroborate that. You really did get it in. Yes. Uh, but well before that. Um, but, you know, and so, but would, would that change your like you you could change if you wanted. But would, and I respect you sticking with it. But is that was that a big enough thing to make you you know think about jumping off the lock or the pick yes. in general? Be, because like and, and I think I, I mentioned this on this podcast before the season, like I was out on the bills is like being a legitimate Super Bowl contender. I didn't I still thought they were a playoff team, though, obviously, like a, they, a competitive football team. But it just felt like they were trending in the wrong direction. And I felt like last year was their window to get to a Super Bowl. And then Von Miller goes down and and they just aren't able to pull it off because there was just a talent deficit there. Um, and then all the injuries that they've had this season. And now it just seems like it's really unraveling. They fire Ken Dorsey, the Sean McDermott stuff, the Von Miller stuff like it, 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 it's enough to make me want to change my mind. I'm still going to stick with it because I've already picked the bills to win in multiple different places, but I'm just not confident in them right now. Like my whole thought process going into this was they're desperate. Josh Allen's going to get, give you his best shot. And I thought the bills should have beaten the Eagles. Like they did enough to in that game to go head to head against the Eagles and win that football game. If it wasn't for bad mistakes at the end of it. Um, but I'm just not confident in them organizationally. And I feel like this report uh, about Sean McDermott that comes out, like I feel like that comes out and gets leaked because the organization maybe wants to move on and feels like it's time for a change. Like the bills desperately need to reset this off season because I think the window with this roster is over. Um, they got a lot of expiring veterans. They got a, a ton of money invested in that defense. And the defense has been the biggest thing that's been their holdup this season mm -hmm. because of the injuries and all the turnovers on offense. Like it's all ugly. Uh, I'm going to stick with the bills because I don't have a lot of faith in the chiefs right now with how they've been playing on the offensive side of the ball. And the defense is starting to slow down and get banged up for the chiefs. So I'm 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 sticking with Buffalo because that was my initial pick, but I'm not confident in either of these teams showing up and like putting together like an elite style performance or something like that. Uh, Brandon, very quickly before you go, just in case anyone is unaware, because I haven't seen this get a lot of national attention. Um, it got a lot of attention on the internet, uh, but on Thursday, Tyler Dunn, uh, whose Go Long newsletter is essential, everybody can check it out at GoLongTD.com. Uh, Tyler detailed an instance in 2019. Uh, where Sean McDermott was speaking to Bill's players. Uh, I'm reading from this uh, verbatim. He mm -hmm. 
He told the entire team they needed to come together, but then sources on hand say he used a strange model, the terrorists on September 11, 2001. He cited the hijackers as a group of people no. who were all able to get what on the same page on? to orchestrate attacks to perfection. Um, so, yeah, an incredibly wrong, I guess, analogy to make with regards to uh, exemplifying group cohesion. Sean McDermott did address this um, on Thursday and apologized and said that he immediately apologized to Bill's players as well. He said that he had a, a family member who he lost in the terrorist attacks on September 11th. Um, but it was, I mean, objectively a horrible thing to say initially. And obviously, to Stephen's point, it coming out right now is a, is a bad look for him on top of, you know, saying it in the first place. Yeah, not good from a vibe perspective, I would say. And even further, um, you have, I don't know if you guys saw this, but like Bill's players were like kind of like getting into it with Eagle Sands like during the game at one point in their last game. Like, they were being harassed to a mild degree. I mean, it wasn't yeah, like, like they just you like can't they didn't just walk get... up to random Eagles fans. It's, you know, sure, but like that happens every game. Like you can't sure. get rattled like that. You can't go up and like you can't give the fans want you to respond. You can't give them what they want. Like you have to ignore. I know it's hard, easier said than done, but like you can't engage with them. And that and it wasn't just one player. It was like multiple players were like falling for that. And that makes me worried if I'm a Bill fan to see like our guys can get rattled. They're not like locked in and everything and their confidence is a little bit shaken and you have this weird Sean McDermott thing. So yeah, I'm, I can't trust the Bills vibes right now. I'm going to take the Chiefs. It's very rare that Patrick Mahomes loses back-to-back games, especially um, I imagine with the second one coming in Kansas City. So I'm going to take the Chiefs. Yeah, Stephen, I was kind of with you. Like I was kind of thinking about taking the Bills, obviously before the McDermott um, story came out. Um, just because they, they seem really desperate. But, like, I I think they're past the point of desperation. I think they're just exhausted. Like, they, they seem like the kind of team that, like, everyone's sort of rooting for the, like, you know, the loss that ends everything for them. Um, and, like, the one thing they've been able to do has been win at Arrowhead, right? Like, that's their Super Bowl every year. But I just don't – again, even though the Chiefs are down, I just cannot take them um, with any kind of confidence right now. I, I do think they're kind of anxious. I think they all have one foot out the door. Um, and I think that McDermott probably is gone after the season. And I think that that was true even before this story, to be very clear. Uh, right. But um, kind of like we talked about the Seahawks, like you got the best version of themselves last week in Dallas and they still lost. The Bills were incredible, to your point, Stephen, in that game in Philadelphia. But they just find ways to lose. Because even Philly, while they did some incredibly special things at, at certain moments, they were not great for most of that game. But Sean McDermott taking the knees at the end of regulation, the timeout to ice Jake out, like it was all bad, horrible decision-making. So I can't, with any stretch of confidence, pick them, especially at Arrowhead. Like, this is the Bills that the Chiefs need. This is the get-right opportunity for them. And how dare you not believe in them? Get in the icebox, Stephen. You deserve it. Fun fact about the icebox. Winter is coming. I'm in the icebox. I will say, if the Chiefs lose this game, whoa. The defense, the Chiefs' defense has been much better at home this year than on the road. So hopefully Mm -hmm. that plays in the Chiefs' favor. Um, The Denver Broncos are visiting the Los Angeles Chargers, Brandon. And I don't know that anybody cares, Um, to be honest. Like, (laughs) is is there anyone who's interested in this game happening? The Chargers are two and a half point favorites at home against the Broncos. Why? Why? They don't even have a real home field advantage. Um, I've been fading the Chargers pretty much all season long. I actually believe in the Broncos more. And um, Broncos had, I went to the, I've been going into the icebox for the Broncos. That's true. 
it's worked out some of the time. It almost worked out last week until the it didn't one at the was, end. Was the Browns game? Steven and I were like, "This is impossible," and you uh-huh. very proudly entered the icebox and you pulled it off. Well, I mean, my faith in Russell Wilson, you know, it just always pays to never get rid of that. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to believe in the Broncos and feed the Chargers. Steven, um, everybody used to get on Baker Mayfield for having all the commercials. I'm talking to you both with uh, Justin Herbert commercial on behind y'all. Um, I'm not trying to comfort Justin Herbert, but like he put up six points last week. Like this isn't just Brandon Staley being bad at this point. I don't, I feel so bad for Justin Herbert though. His pass catchers are just rough right now. Like uh, Keenan Allen is, has been incredible this season, but he's playing through multiple injuries because he's like the last guy standing, and they're just like, please aging Keenan Allen, like limp out onto the field and give us everything you have. And it, like Jalen Guyton is their number two wide receiver option right now because their first round pick Quentin Johnson has been is brutal uh, is any first round pick in the league this year. Like he, he has just been that bad when he has been on the field and gotten opportunities. And then the Brandon Saley stuff with Austin Eckler is and Austin Eckler, to be clear, is having a very down year. Like he does not look like the same player. Like it looks like. You know, the all all of the the reps and the injuries and stuff have kind of caught up to him. I know he missed time earlier this year, but he just looks slow. Like he's not the same explosive playmaker right now. Um, it, it's just all bad. And Brandon Saley, like saying that, like they're gonna lean into Joshua Kelly or Isaiah Spiller is just a, a head coach who knows he's about to lose his job. Like Joshua Kelly and Isaiah, Isaiah Spiller aren't better than Austin Eckler. So I don't even know why you would put that out there into the world. Like it doesn't make any sense. So like, I, I w- kind of want to pick the chargers because I want to believe in Justin Herbert that like, he's that good that he could carry them in, in this, in this AFC West matchup. But the Broncos are legitimately competing for a playoff spot. Their defense has really turned things around and been playing really good football, even though they're coming off of a loss against the Texans where, CJ Stroud was just special in key moments of that game. Like I think the Broncos are legitimately a better football team than the chargers right now. So I'm going to take Denver and I think they pretty easily win this thing. By the way, not the most optimistic plug, but we do have a special interview that our favorite boy, man, person, Rob Stats Guerrero conducted with Los Angeles chargers running back uh, Austin Eckler. Uh, we'll tack that on uh, to the end of the episode. Um, I don't think that stats called Austin Eckler a boy, man, or person, but you know, that's, <laughs> you're going to have to listen to find out. Um, yeah, dude, I, like I've lost so much faith in Brandon Staley that like, you know how sometimes when yep. a head coach, I was just, I was going to say, I don't even believe in him as a, a future no, you can't talk anymore. <laughs> I'll take, um, I'll take the Broncos to win and cover, obviously to cover anyway. Uh, Sunday Night Football, Steven. Brandon and I have talked a lot about this game. Uh, we did two episodes of the NFC East mixtape, which you were so jealous of that you stole as a concept uh, for the AFC West. Um, the Dallas Cowboys are three and a half point favorites at home, uh, building they've won 14 games in a row at. Um, your thoughts on this game. You've been high on the Eagles all season long, Stephen. I would argue higher than Brandon. Uh, so how are you feeling ahead of this week's Sunday night game? I really want to take the Cowboys here because I I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, like I believe Dak Prescott is the MVP. Um, I don't think like Brock Purdy being the favorite, I think is ridiculous. Um, mm. it is, don't, don't let stats here. You say that as good as Purdy has been and, and Purdy is good. Like I'm not one of these people who's like, 
He's right. like, per- Purdy isn't actually good. Right, he's just right. a product of the system. Like, I think he's a legitimately good quarterback who has elevated that offense. But at the end of the mm-hmm. day, like, you're you're just you're, you're throwing to like the Avengers. Like, you're throwing to mm-hmm. these guys. Like that that Debo Samuel long touchdown at the end of the game against the Eagles. Like, there's not very many players in the NFL that could do that. They could break multiple tackles and just take off and run for like a 60 yard touchdown. And those guys are just such physical freaks like what Dak is doing and he's still got a talented uh cast around him and everything but Dak is like one of the most cerebral quarterbacks in the NFL right now and he is just out here shredding defenses like on on a weekly basis he's been tremendous the Eagles are coming off of the loss though and part of me wants to wants to pick the Eagles and be confident in my pick with the Eagles because Dallas d- does have this thing still hanging over them of like beating good teams. But I think that the Cowboys are playing so well right now. It's at home. It, it seems pretty clear that Jalen hurts is banged up and, and not a hundred percent. Like I think I'm going to go with the Cowboys because they're just on an incredible run right now, but I still think we're in for a really good game and the Eagles could just do what they do is like, struggle and then fourth quarter comes on and AJ Brown, Devontae Smith start making plays and come back and win it. But I, I just think that Dallas is on another level offensively right now. So uh, I'm going to go with the Cowboys, but it's a close one. It's actually my lock of the week. I'm taking the Cowboys to win this game in part because it just, it doesn't feel like how is this going to be the Eagles team right now in this spot where the Cowboys are coming off extra rest. It's the, Again, it's the third straight game where the Eagles are at a rest disadvantage. And I think between the last two games, if I'm not mistaken, I saw this going around. The Eagles defense like played more snaps than any two game stretch of a defense ever, or at least it's up there. Like that, that makes sense because there was all the talk about the Bills game, obviously, right. and how many they played, right? And so, they were so on, like, on defense a lot against San Francisco. And then even like on the, the Chiefs game, they were kind of on the field a lot too. I think like they've played the equivalent of you know, certainly more than three. I think they played like maybe like snap wise, something closer to like five games in the past three games. Like I just think this defense is tired. This defense had issues before that. I'm not saying like they're a great defense and they're just tired. Defense already had issues and it's being exacerbated by the fact that they're just exhausted. And I think specifically when it comes to the strength of the team, which is the defensive line. Like I think the defensive line kind of just doesn't have the same juice that it does right now because of how many snaps they've had to play. And that's obviously a huge factor for this defense and going up against the Cowboys offensive line that for as well as Dak is playing, he's certainly also being given a ton of time to throw. And the Cowboys had some wins in that specific matchup the last time these two teams played. So I just think it's a really tough spot for the Eagles. I think a lot of people are going to be like, well, the Eagles just aren't any good and they're frauds because they lost to the 49ers and the Cowboys in back-to-back weeks. And I think that criticism isn't entirely unfair and conversations will certainly have to be had. But I also think there is going to be a propensity to overreact to that and not fully acknowledge that they're just in a little bit of a rut right now. And I think from there, they will finish the season strong. But in this spot, in a spot where the Cowboys have 114 straight at home, Eagles have not won in Dallas since 2017. Eagles have not swept the Cowboys since 2011. It just seems a little too good to be true that this team is going to go down there and win. I think they could put up a more, you know, uh, more fight than they did against the 49ers. But I think ultimately the Cowboys will just win this game and they will cover. The Cowboys, for me, have graduated from the point of saying things like, you know, I think you'll win this game, but you better not blow it. Like they've become the team to where like I'm, I'm willing to like, 
you know, throw away the like idea that they would blow it. Now they could obviously go out and, and blow it and, and burn up that benefit, but they have become a team that takes care of business, even though last week obviously got tighter than anybody would have liked against Seattle. Um, so yeah, I mean, everything is working out in their favor right now. Um, the rest advantage, um, it, it, particularly a snap advantage, the Cowboys were the Cowboys offense, at least got to chill and go on ice um, late in the fourth quarter against Washington, which obviously was the game they played uh, before Seattle on Thanksgiving day. So go do it. I mean, go go live up to all of the respect and credit that you earned, that everybody's been giving you. Do not burn it up. Um, take care of business and put Philadelphia in the position that you just outlined, Brandon, where they have to have conversations, like make life very difficult for them um, and justify all of us because nobody went in the icebox here. So uh, well done. Um, how long did it take either of you to realize that there are two Monday Night Football games this coming week? I was looking at the odds this week for my lock of the week candidates, and I was like, why are there two? Is that a type? Is that like a, a misprint on DraftKings? It's I noticed it a couple of weeks ago, and mm. I was like, why? Why is there a late season Monday night doubleheader? I don't I know. Mean, it's not even is... a doubleheader, right? Because, well, first of all, they never are because they never start back to back. But they're at the same time, right? They start at the same time. It's not even like the thing they usually do early in the year where one starts earlier than the other. Yeah, what I am already pretty bothered by is when they do the like picture in picture thing and they put both. Yeah. It's like I'm I made the decision to watch this game. You know what I mean? Yes. Like don't don't yeah, take that, that away from me. Like that when was the my Eagles, choice. We're we're playing the Bucks in week three, and I'm like trying to cover the game and I'm seeing the live looking at Rams, whatever. And it's like no who, it was Rams Bay. No one wants that. Yeah, no one wants that. Um, so the two juicy games, Steven, uh, are the Titans in Miami, the Dolphins laying 13 points at home. And the Packers on the road at MetLife Stadium, excuse me, JetLife Stadium, um, and they are six and a half point favorites in the process. Your two picks and why? I will take the Dolphins uh, to win pretty big uh, against the Titans, and I will take the Packers to keep rolling. They both cover. Yes, pretty easily. The Packers are playing great right now. Obviously, coming off of a win over the Chiefs. What's the Titans line again? Because that's not up on the They're screen. They're plus thirteen. Uh, I'll take the Dolphins. Dolphins to cover, um, and then I will take the Packers because, yeah, Packers are – Jordan Love is looking legitimate. Clean sweep around here. Um, I'm comfortable laying 13 points, you know, on behalf of the Dolphins against the Titans. Like, what? Um, no. Although last week was fun, I guess. That was a weirdly fun Titans-Colts game. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, the Giants are so bad. Like, what an awful thing to have to watch this team in prime time. It's just – I feel like Tommy DeVito has secured uh, a job in the NFL. Oh, for dude, a long he, time, he's going to work for like, uh, what is it? SNY or, you know what I mean? He's going to have like a, a New York media job, like for <laughs> or a radio gig, like for a very, very long time. I completely agree with you. Um, okay. That's it. Week 14. Uh, Steven, as we leave, I would like you to tell us your top three favorite desserts. Ooh. Um, I really like, Cookies, brownies, and pie. I'm not a big cake person, yeah. so I'm leaving cake, cake off the list. Okay. Favorite cookie? Um, I really, I'm a big fan of oatmeal raisin cookies. I know people don't like them, but well, oatmeal raisin cookies are spectacular. Well, well, well done. All right, TGIF. Joining us now on behalf of the FedEx and Ground NFL Players of the Week Awards is Chargers running back Austin Eckler. Austin, thanks for a few minutes today. Yeah, absolutely, Rob. Thanks for having me on, man. How's it going? 
Uh, it's going well. I uh, just want to remind NFL fans can vote weekly for the awards, nfl.com slash FedEx. You can also vote on the NFL's Twitter and Instagram channels or on the NFL mobile app. And first of all, let me just say, I love the setup. I love the chair. I love the microphone. Like you are winning points already. Hey, you know, I've been doing this content stuff for a while, so it's still not the finished product. It's a work in progress as everything is. And, uh, you know, this is where we're at right now. So this is this is the house that I'm in during the season. Um, and my off season place is where I have the actual setup. So hopefully this is sufficient for now. Uh, it's outstanding. You are warming my heart and you've never really run away from that side of it, from the content side of it, from the fan interaction side of it. Uh, I know you're doing a video series now with FedEx. Tell us what's going on there. Yeah. You know, FedEx has a great thing going on with, you know, the recognition that they do through the NFL, uh, uh, ground and air player of the week and it's there's a lot jam-packed into obviously to give recognition to the best quarterback performance and then the best running back performance as well which is not decided by them it's actually decided by right fans who get to go and vote on that uh, from the nominees there and then also it's a great way to raise money um, so there's a charitable aspect to have as, as well um, we're raising money for hbcus um, and so it's recognition, it's charity, it's fun, it's interactive, it's voting. And so it's a great way really just to continue to in interact with the NFL and in so many other ways that there are. This is a great one to give recognition. So um, I was nominated week one and it's been it's been a little rough trying to get back in there. But uh, there's some other nominees that you can go check out to vote for this week if you're interested. I mean, I'm not going to bring it up, but, you know, I'm a Niner guy. Uh, clearly, uh, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey seems to find his way in there pretty much every week. Yeah, that guy's a stud, man. There's no doubt about it. You know, we've known that he's a stud for a while. Um, and then, you know, ever since he teamed up with you guys over there, the Niners, um, he's kind of just been blossoming over there and, and been really healthy. And so that's it's been great for them. It's been fun to watch as a, as a fellow running back. Um, love to see our guys popping off. Well, you are coming off the win over the Patriots, 6 nothing. I got to know, you've been involved <laughs> in high-scoring games, and obviously the game last week was very low-scoring. Is one kind of victory more satisfying than the other? Yes, because um, I'm an offensive player. So obviously <laughs> uh, six points is not good, especially when it was not from a touchdown. It was from, you know, two field goals. Um, so, yeah, a high scoring victory is definitely, in my opinion, um, a high scoring game is my, is more of a, a preference for me. Um, you know, the obviously. I'm pretty biased because I'm on the offensive side of the ball. But yeah, it was historically low scoring game. I think there was only four teams before that that have been zero and six uh, or yeah, had that score. And then the record, there's like a record, which is a zero to three game that was way back in the day. So um, yeah, got into history in a, in a way that necessarily didn't want to. <laughs> Say, you know what people, a lot of people have been chirping about Bill Belichick. I'm pretty sure that guy still knows how to scheme a defense. Yeah, here's the thing, you know, you know, coaches can only do so much, right? You can get your guys in the in the right spots. You can line them up. You can call the right defense. But guess what? Players have to go play. Bill Belichick's not going to be out there at 70 years old. I forget how old he is <laughs> out there making the plays for him, right? So they got to be out there and actually make the plays. Um, coaching only goes so far. And it, that's why it's a team game. You got to have the scheme. Then you have to have the players that ultimately go out there and make the plays, even if the scheme's the thing is, even if the scheme's not great, you can still have players that can go beyond and make plays and still make things work. Um, but if the scheme's good and your players are good, then, you know, that's a match made in heaven.
So five and seven right now for the Chargers. Obviously some work to do to get back into the playoffs in the AFC, but this may surprise you. Uh, We all saw Trevor Lawrence get hurt. Now, hopefully it's just a high ankle sprain. That's what they're saying. So it, it looked a lot scarier. But if he can't play this week, Austin, Four of the current seven playoff teams in the AFC are going to start a backup quarterback in week 14. Yeah, it's it's wild right now in the AFC, like just how competitive it is. And, uh, you know, we're on the bottom side of of the hunt. But, hey, we're there. We still got a chance. We still have a path into the playoffs. And so as long as we got a chance and it's not zero, then that's what we're still shooting for. And so I know I'm ready to get back to work. Um, and, you know, try to figure out how to get this run game going and making sure that we're on a projection or on a trajectory towards towards just that. And it takes it's one game at a time for us. You know how it is. There are a lot of people that have made comments about the Chargers. The phrase Chargers going to Charger has become sort of a thing. What is the what? So you're shaking your head. I could see already. What is the one Chargers narrative that you wish you could just banish into the sun? I mean, well, obviously the inconsistency, um, you know, the ups and downs is is the one that is out there. And, you know, it, it's a part of sports, um, but it's been, you know, a part of just, you know, being a part of, um, you know, our situation for the past few years where it's like we're up, we're down, we're always right in the midst of everything. Um, and it, I mean, it's no different from any other team, right? You don't ever want to be in the up and down. You want to continue to have an upward trajectory and be on a, on a rise pretty much at all times. Um, but that's not that's not realistic. That's not sports. So I think we get caught in the midst of of the ups and downs and competition, you know, and us playing at a high level and maybe not as high of a level the next week. And so um, that one that that's the one I would I, I'm in any competitor would try to get rid of is right. The ups and downs and the flows where it's like, dang, can we just put a full season of high quality football together, um, which is what we're trying to do. Um, but obviously it's you know, everyone's goal. So you're going to get some op- opposition. No, people aren't just going to give it to you. You got to go and actually earn it. I mentioned the quarterbacks and the injuries in the AFC. Justin Herbert, obviously healthy, which is, which is fantastic. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. What is the most amazing thing you've seen Justin Herbert do either in a game or in practice? A most amazing thing, man. Ah, shoot. Probably last year where he still took us to the playoffs, even with even with broken ribs, um, you know, and going through all of that and just battling through toughness like that dude. That dude is a warrior. Um, and then also just have, I've really loved how his his leadership has been stepping up. And so I would say that last year, right, taking us to the playoffs, even through battling through toughness. Um, it's it's something that we've seen guys do. But, you know, you, you never lose respect for guys going through pain and fighting through something um, and giving it their their all regardless. I will never forget he he has the rib injury and then the next pass, I think it was a pass out to the right and it kind of, it just didn't get there. It didn't look right. He couldn't really throw. And then it was fourth down and he fires a 30 yard laser down the middle of the field. I, I couldn't, I couldn't reconcile those two things back to back. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, and it speaks to his, his character and his mental toughness and physical toughness, man. It's, it's everything you want in a quarterback. All right. Let me ask you a couple non-charger questions if i could yeah first i love the air guitar end zone celebration so i'm gonna but i'm gonna take you out of it who has the best celebration whether it's after a touchdown a sack whatever you know i've been a fan of what miami's got going on they got these like team celebrations going on where they all coordinate something throughout the week there's like even footage of them like practicing their celebration (laughs) during during practice and then they ended up doing it in the game and i just know man like when you have that type of like camaraderie and you're and you're 
seeing it show up week in week out. Um, it's just, it's a good, I know they're having a good time over there scoring points and, and, you know, obviously you should, you see it in the end zone. And so I'll, I'll say Miami and it's not like a distinct thing. It's, it's their whole, you know, multitude of different, different uh, interactions and celebrations that they do. That's gotta be a long practice session. Cause when you score 40 a game, you need a lot of celebrations. Hey, guess what? They're they got it. They're getting it done over there, and so obviously there's that point in the in the practice where they're actually you know coming together and and coordinating that. <laughs> Last thing I want to ask you, and I don't know if you had a chance to see it. Did you see what happened in the Niners Eagles game on the sideline with the Eagles head of security? I I don't know the details on it. There was some pushing, so- shoving. Someone got in someone's face, something like that. That's kind of really all I know. And then I think the Eagles guy got ejected or something. Yes. Yeah, so the uh, Niners linebacker Dre Greenlaw got tossed, and the Eagles head of security got tossed. I just I, I noticed Kyle Shanahan going crazy on the sideline, and he said after the game, "You got a guy who's not a player, who's not a coach, making contact with one of the opposing players on the field." I didn't know if I had certainly ever never seen anything like that. I didn't know if you had heard of that or seen anything like that before because it seemed like a really weird situation. Yeah, obviously you don't want to have anyone making like physical non-football contact with each other on the field. Um, But, uh, you know, things tend to happen, right? And so I don't know what the contact was. I don't know how significant it was. I saw like the video of like the Eagles guy like point point across his face or whatever he was doing. I don't, I don't know what you call that. Um, but I didn't see the like contact from the security person or anything like that. So I really can't really can't comment on it, but you know, obviously you don't want any of that happening. Um, and you want, if anything, you, you, you want to see that between the players, right. Breaking everything up and you yes. don't have non-players breaking things up um, because it's our game. It's the players. We're the ones playing, right. We're the ones in the pads. We're the ones where the motions are flying high. We'll go get our guys out of there. You can't have non, you know, padded players in there intervening with, with things if there's like a little scuffle going on it's it's yeah it's just not good to see not good to see well thank you so much for the time we appreciate it i know you got the broncos coming up can you give us a little spoiler or preview tell me you're wearing like the navy all navy jerseys where are you going with this <laughs> those are my favorite those yes! are my favorite i i like the all white and you know we have our little accents of of gold and yellow uh, or uh, gold and uh, the blue in there so i like all white too but the navy are, are so clean so we wore them like two weeks ago, so I don't know if we're going to crack them out again. Um, we might be in the all-whites. Who knows? I'm a fan of the yellow pants with the white jersey, too. I love our combinations we got going on. So whatever we come out in, I know we're going to be looking good, and hopefully you know that um, also tends to us playing well as well because it's a big game for us, division game against the Broncos, like you said. So there's a lot there's a lot for stake here. Best jerseys in the league. You've never – the Chargers as a franchise have never had a single bad jersey, which no other team can ever say <laughs> – Thank you so much for the time, Austin. Again, FedEx, NFL.com slash FedEx. You can go and vote for the Air and Ground NFL Players of the Week Award. And good luck the rest of the way. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it.